1: Okay, last week, the only federal election debate on women's issues went down. Well, actually, it wasn't even really a debate, it was more of a panel discussion, a forum. The up for debate format ended up being like pre-taped interviews with four of the federal leaders, Stephen Harper not included, and additional insights offered from a panel of commentators. Now, the only reason that such a format was even necessary is because conservative leader Stephen Harper and NDP leader Tom Mulcair refused to participate in the initial debate format. Now I have to admit, and those of you who follow me on Twitter or who follow the news will already know this, I was downright shocked by some of the things I heard from leaders during that debate. But forget about what I think. What do women in this country think about how they are being discussed and represented in this election? What are women's issues if such a thing even exists? And how can we better address women and their representation in this country? We're lucky today to have two very wonderful women joining us to keep this conversation going. Let's get into it. I'm Desmond Cole, and this is Canada Land Commons.
2: Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
1: This episode of Canada Land Commons is brought to you by Halifax-based performer and songwriter Ben Kaplan. Ben's new album, Birds with Broken Wings, was just released earlier this month. And, backed by his band, the Casual Smokers, he's on tour right now playing shows across Canada and the US. Ben... At what age did you really start caring about politics? I got into politics at a relatively early age, I suppose. My father was a municipal politician. He was a city councilor when I was growing up. And I think around the age of, you know, 14, 15, I started developing my own political identity and moving onwards from there. Ben will be performing this week in Kingston, Hamilton, Bayfield. And in Toronto on Friday, October 2nd. You can find all of those dates at benkaplan.ca/slash tour. And you can find the new album on iTunes or wherever you like to get your music. Joining me today in studio is September Anderson. September is a freelance writer and a public intellectual based here in Toronto. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And joining us from Ottawa is Naomi Sayers. Naomi is currently studying law at the University of Ottawa, and she is a writer at her own site, quaytoday.com. Naomi, welcome. Thank you. So, September, let me go to you uh, first. We wanted to have both of you on today to talk about women's issues I guess so called but my first question for you is do you believe that there are such things as women's issues in Canada and that we should be talking about them in that way
2: Um, I think women's issues are issues. So the fact that there's a separate debate to discuss women's issues goes to show the problem with women's issues or women in this country, that it has to be a separate uh, debate and a special interest group. And that's really not how it exists when you have 49 percent of the population that are women and also different intersections. Because when we talk about women, we're reinforcing a gender binary that doesn't include genderqueer people and so many other people. Um, So I think the fact that we have to talk about women's issues and we have to um, highlight it is representative of how bad the problem is.
1: Naomi, what would you say about that? Is this kind of a weird, uh, contradictory situation where because women are not highlighted in our politics, we're forced to talk about women's issues? Or is there another way around this?
3: Uh, Well, I agree with what September said about the binary in terms of it erasing certain identities, but I feel that coming uh, from an Indigenous woman's perspective, a lot of the times our womanhood is literally erased from who we are as Indigenous peoples, and I think that it's important to highlight that. Hi, we're also women too, and and it just boils down to like how do we get that out there and highlighting it as a women's issue because of the erasure of that own of our own womanhood sometimes, even within Canadian society continuously. And that's
2: one of the challenges that I have with discussing women's issues because women's issues ends up being a discussion of white women's issues and completely ignoring the various intersectionalities and ways in which different women experience their womanhood differently, Um, especially when we're talking about violence against women. You have women who exist at particular intersections that experience that uh, violence differently. Even when you talk about race indigeneity, poverty status, all of these things affect how women experience violence against women or how women experience various issues. And I think that if we're going to talk about women's issues, we're really going to have to broaden it and stop looking at it as a single issue issue.
1: Okay, but let me ask you about that, because I've never heard anyone in Canadian discourse say we need to talk about white women's issues. So when you say that white women are the ones being discussed, (laughs) what do you mean? Because a lot of people out there will hear that and say, oh, I, I just hear women. When they say women, I hear everyone. Fine, we'll talk about income disparity. We've got this income disparity number, and we say
2: women make this much as regards to men. But if you break it down, actually, no. White women make this much. They make the most out of all women. Black women make less. Indigenous women make even less. If we're not specifically looking at women on the margins, and that means we're talking about women in the center.
1: So you're saying that it's important to have those breakdowns because not all women are faring the same in this one category that we call women.
2: I think that if we don't have those breakdowns, we really aren't talking about anything.
1: Naomi, let me go back to you. We are in the middle of a very, very long election campaign. How do you feel about the way women have been represented in this election and the way so-called women's issues have been represented during the campaign that we're in?
3: Well... Honestly, women's issues like it's only popular when when it comes up at certain points. So, around February fourteenth, which is like the missing and murdered uh, memorial march, you know that's when people start talking about missing women inquiry again, and then it slowly goes off. And then when another indigenous woman is in the media because she's died, and then again people start talking about it, and people treat it as like a popular issue, a hot topic, and. They never really consider like how it's an ongoing issue that it's, you know, it's part of our everyday lives.
2: And then we get missing and murdered Indigenous women getting used as a buzzword or something that people just throw in to show that they're current and that they actually care without actually having to care. Like you said, it's not a 365 discussion. It's just a, uh, let's pull this out of the hat and show that I actually care. Right. Coming from my
3: experience, being a volunteer in politics... I feel that some parties have committed to the missing women, missing and murdered women issue for a long time. And some people are just buying into it right now or just mentioning it when it's convenient for them. I was the Women's Representative for the Aboriginal People's Commission at the Liberal Party of Canada. And I know some problematic things were said recently by Justin Trudeau. But I know that the ongoing work that the Liberal Party does for missing and murdered women is crucial and you know they were the ones who committed research money to Sisters in Spirit and as soon as Harper came into power he was like no nope, we're taking that away you can't use Sisters in Spirit anymore so i feel like we also have to talk about who's committed and who's just being like oh we might do this 100 days from now if we get elected
1: so you guys have brought up a couple of things certainly violence against women pay equity for women what other things that concern women Do you wish were being raised in this election or would you like to be hearing more of or that you're happy are being raised in this election? September, I'll start with you.
2: I am going to be a conscious non-voter in this election because I don't feel that anything that has to do with me or women on the margins is actually getting raised or addressed in any meaningful way. I had a liberal candidate, Arif Virani, come to my door and he was telling me about all of the things that Justin Trudeau and he are going to do for middle class families. And I found it especially interesting since I live in Parkdale and I'm not a middle class family. I'd love to be middle class. I'm poor. Don't talk to me about people in the middle. Talk to me about people on the margins. And I'm not hearing that discussion. One in two women are victims of violence against women. I think it's about 25% of children in Toronto go to school without breakfast. There's so much poverty. There's so much unemployment. We need affordable housing. We need so many things. And those things are not talked about in a meaningful way. They're talked about in buzzword ways, but not in meaningful ways. And it was really disappointing to see the up for debate discussion where was clear that Justin Trudeau had done zip zero nil research or work towards that debate, that he just thought he would do it on the fly.
1: This was a debate, uh, a forum we should call it, organized on women's issues that occurred last week.
2: Exactly. And then all of the candidates had to phone in because two of the candidates didn't want to come. And then we, of course, had Harper who didn't participate because I guess women are not on his radar either, despite the fact that one lives in his home. But yeah, I just haven't heard things being talked about in a meaningful way. I haven't heard anything actually caring, And I know that you brought up the fact that the Liberal Party has done so much, but we need to realize that the Liberal Party is not one continuum from the moment it was formed until present day. I want to talk about this Liberal Party, not about that Liberal Party.
1: I want to give Naomi a chance to answer that. But before I do, September, you know that people will say that as a self-identified poor woman of colour... You not voting is playing into the hands of the current system because your voice will not be heard. What do you say to that?
2: Um, I think that's a gross oversimplification and a misunderstanding of how things actually work in this country. Advocacy groups have done so much to make changes. Grassroot groups have done so much work to make change. So the changes are not only made at the polls, they're made in so many other ways. And I feel that if I were standing and voting, that would be me saying I support this particular candidate and I don't. So I won't vote. I will raise issues and raise awareness, and then I will do my work outside of the polls.
1: Naomi, let me go to you now. How is this all striking you?
2: So yesterday I actually
3: went and voted. <laughs> in full disclosure, I did vote for the Liberal candidate in my riding. And the reason I vote for the Liberal candidate in my riding is because people I know who are volunteering their time behind the scenes consistently for Aboriginal women candidates. And those people are really committed to having issues heard at the community level. I know their passion and I know that they were very respectful. And I, like, I totally respect and value the work that they do because I was there. I did the exact same work. And probably Justin Trudeau did consult with some women in his party be like hey what should I say because what did he say like pornography causes violence against women and I was like what whoa like when did that change because before around sex work he was like we need to have more research done into this we need to make sure that the law is constitutional there was clearly a shift somewhere somewhere along the line in messaging and He obviously took advice from the wrong person, because I honestly believe that whenever a politician is speaking, that somebody else is writing their
1: words for them. I want to follow up with you, Naomi, and ask, you know, you made an interesting point, which is that these parties have so many people working for them. And of course, when you go to the polls, you don't actually get to vote for the leader unless you're in their riding. You're voting for one of their representatives. So. If you're confident in your local representative, are you still confident that parties, which are dominated by male leaders and male staffers and advisors, are going to hear a local candidate who wants to focus on issues that you care about? Okay, so...
3: In particular, my liberal candidate has taken the time to want to learn. Uh, Catherine McKenna, even on her social media, like she's taking the time to like DM me and be like, I don't know why this is wrong. And I'm like, here, this is why this is wrong. Or this is why you tweeted this article was problematic. And she'd be like, OK. And then she would take the time to learn. And I feel that. Somebody who takes the time to learn is willing to go that extra mile over at the hill that I'm not too far away from. And even though, yeah, the parties are dominated by male leaders, you have to understand that there's also female campaign managers, which is kind of cool. All the major parties have female campaign managers, which is also kind of shitty because then you know that the women's issues are not being brought up in a certain way because they're also white. Middle class
2: females. Um, one of the challenges of the way that this political system works is that we vote for our local candidates rather than voting for a party leader. When the party leader is the one who leads the discussions and he's the one—in this situation, it's he because we've got all he's and that's just the way that it works. They lead Elizabeth the discussion. May. Yes, Elizabeth May, and then we've got the three major party leaders who are— that's probably who we'll get stuck with. The party leaders are the ones who decide how every thi- everyone does their thing. I love Peggy Nash, she's the one in my neighborhood and I'd love to vote for her, but a vote for her is a vote in support of Mulclair. and I simply cannot do that. So no, I, my work will, like I said, everybody can play their game the way they want to play it, but my work is outside of the polls. I refuse to support what is going on and what is being said. Everybody has been absolutely atrocious. Everybody is coming out looking bad in this very long election.
1: September, you talked a little bit about being low income and, well, let me use your word. You said poor. You were very blunt. How does that and other personal experiences in your day-to-day life influence how you see these kinds of issues? What is it about the way that you're living that makes you feel the disconnection that you're feeling?
2: I exist in a very weird place. So I exist partially in the fashion world where you've got a lot of people with a lot of money. I uh, exist partly in the political world. And I exist partly in Parkdale. And so you're getting to see the ways that different people live their lives and the way that the system assists and doesn't assist other people. In Parkdale, there's so much poverty, so much abuse, neglect. I'm seeing the underfunding of the mental health care system. I'm seeing what violence against women and the lack of governmental support does to those women. I'm seeing homeless. I'm seeing all of these things and I'm seeing these people continuing on in their life situation getting worse because of lack of actual support and actual action from um, political leaders. There is only so much that a Peggy Nash can do without the party, the person at the top saying, OK, we're going to get serious about dealing with this.
1: Naomi, what about you? Out in Ottawa, you're a law student. You're an Indigenous woman. How does your day-to-day as a woman living in that part of the country with your experiences, how, do, how does that influence how you feel about all this stuff? Um, so you mean in terms of policy? Yeah. What What policies do you hear or not hear about that you think that would really change my life?
3: So personally, I think in terms of policy is how a certain party takes up sex work issues. And literally since since a law passed, the C36, the new prostitution laws, literally almost nobody has, none of these parties have been talking about it And when I'm living in Ottawa, living and working in Ottawa, I have friends who are sex workers, friends who are former sex workers, friends who consider doing sex work because they can't buy food every month at the end of the month and they just want a little extra money. And I feel like when we're talking about women's issues, like people don't ever want to talk about that issue because it feels like as if no right woman in her right mind would do it. And I think that the parties, when they talk about it, that really influences me and my response. So the NDP had passed a policy resolution at their last national convention and it said, decrim, we support decriminalization. And Justin Trudeau continually said, we need to do more research into this topic. We need to make sure the law is constitutional. That just makes me really sad that these parties stopped talking about it because it wasn't a hot topic anymore. And I feel like that's how women's issues are treated continuously.
1: So you bring up an interesting point there, because I remember you're right. C36 has barely been discussed during the election campaign. But when the new legislation was coming around, everyone seemed to be talking about it and it was on fire in the media. Why do you think it was so important then? But when parties are asking for votes, suddenly it hasn't been discussed.
3: Well, I feel like nobody wants to come out and say, hey, we support like sex workers' rights. Like we support a woman's right to choose what to do with her body. Somehow that is controversial to support. And it just makes me really sad because you have women who will continue to do sex work, and they're continuing to do it in dangerous situations because of these laws. And even in Ottawa, they're continuing to do their anti-human trafficking raids in an attempt to fight human trafficking. And what happened? Only one guy has ever been charged with trafficking since those raids. And how many women have been deported? Eleven. Let's talk about women's issues then.
1: September, women make up more than 50% of the population, always have. How did we ever get to a situation we were talking about women as if they were a minority group? Um, The
2: history of patriarchy and oppression of women, uh, the human history of patriarchy. Is that what you're asking me uh, Go on.
1: I mean, I, I am asking the question. You're answering.
2: Um, I don't know. Could it be when cavemen first hit women over the heads and dragged them by their hair back into the caves? I'm not sure where this came from on the historical timeline, But I do know that it's very much entrenched in our society right now.
3: I feel like ever since white women have been trying to claim oppression, that's when it's like they're like, hey, we're a minority. It's like, no, you're just not getting your daycare paid for. So let's talk about who else can't afford daycare.
2: Um, and that's interesting that you brought it up because there's been discussions about a $15 a day daycare and people were talking about how revolutionary that was. And, of course, I had to come in and point out that $15 a day is a lot of money for a lot of people. Yeah. When I think of 15 that's a lot of money and it's that disconnect that we get with The louder voices in society. And once again, that same thing that I keep talking, the people in the center speaking for the people on the margins. Let us speak for ourselves. $15 a day is a lot of money for a lot of people, especially when minimum wage is 1025 and full time jobs are so scarce. So we need to talk about minimum incomes, minimum salaries for people. Even in that uh, daycare discussion, I'm a mostly unemployed person. And Parks and Rec offers an after-school care program. So I drop my kid off at school. They pick him up and have him till 6 o'clock. That has been such an enormous help for me. It gives me so much more freedom to do things. It's so hard to find money for this and money for that and navigate this system without the help of a social work. And even with the help of the social work, so many of them are so uninformed about what there is actually out there to help people. So one of my challenges is we're not letting the people who are experiencing a thing talk about the thing or help towards fixing that solution. And we're also when we do allow them to give their input, we're not paying them. So we're ex- further exploiting. Them.
1: Naomi, something is coming up a lot in this conversation that I'm hearing. And it reminds me of um, the women's federal minister, Rona Ambrose during C36, actually, getting a lot of heat from other women for supporting that legislation as a woman herself. And I hear you both talking about women disagreeing with each other, women needing different things. Naomi, can you talk a little bit more about uh, kind of the fracturing within women that makes it hard to talk about them all as one group? Because obviously women don't agree with each other on everything.
3: Yeah, I think there's a beauty when women come together and work together and can work on issues together. So when people are talking about things and it's out in the media, you have to remember like people are behind that message and they're pushing it to get it out. So there's a strategy. So when certain messages are pushed out, like everybody who sells sex is a victim and should be saved that specific message was adopted for a reason because it was it would appeal to a certain kind of person like oh my god who would sell sex in the right mind no woman would so we must save them and it's like (laughs) literally like when we talk about issues when they're hot topics like that usually that's somebody's only education in the media people don't understand that You know, when you talk about a missing women inquiry, like, what is the end goal of the inquiry? Well, we could have recommendations, but the same thing can go on and the government can continue to not implement recommendations.
2: We are hearing a lot of dog whistles, which is kind of rabbling rabbling a certain kind of crowd.
1: Let me just explain to our listeners who don't know that a dog whistle in politics is a message that is not, spoken explicitly, but that nevertheless gets to its target audience. So you don't mention maybe a group of people, for example, but everyone knows you're talking about them.
2: And we've seen Harper doing this with the insistent on the niqab ban, which is interesting that another group came out and said, I think it was Immigration Canada, and they said that This niqab issue is so minute that they don't even bother keeping statistics on it, and yet Harper has been pounding this message home. Then we get this with Justin Trudeau, who speaks about certain music and certain types of absentee fathers. Yes, we know who he's speaking to. He's trying to, and that's what was frightening: that he used a, a kind of language that would purposely arouse and incense a particular group of hateful bigots. Justin Trudeau is very polished, and the fact that he used that language was very frightening because Stephen Harper uses that language. It seemed very
1: off the cuff when he said that.
2: Yes, it seemed off the cuff, but the fact that that's in his mind is the problem because I say a lot of things off the cuff, but bigotry, hatred, homophobia, those things off the cuff is very, very worrisome. And it's very worrisome that the man who wants to lead the country is saying such ignorant, hateful things
1: off the cuff. And September, let me ask you what I asked Naomi about because I follow you on Twitter and I see that a lot of people, even other women say that you are divisive in the way that you approach women's issues.
2: I don't think that I'm divisive. I think People find my focus on intersectionality divisive, and that's not the problem. I'm not separating women. I'm highlighting the issues of various women. So if people choose to interpret that as divisive, that's a misinterpretation and an oversimplification of my message. I'm anti oppression So my thing is not for this one person or that one person or this one person. My thing is for all women. It's not just for poor black women like me. It's for trans women. It's for women involved in sex work. It's for disabled women and all of these intersections that I don't experience.
1: Naomi, let me go to you to wrap up and ask, what are you seeing that is making you hopeful that we are raising important issues about women, that we are raising the state of women's plight in this country? What do you see on the positive side?
3: So what I see is what's not in the media. So when I say when I support a specific party is I see my friends working hard to change how things work within a system. And they're working actively, constantly to educate people that may potentially have a powerful position and they're like this is why this is problematic and why you need to say differently it's those people who offer their time and their energy to causes whether it's at community level here in Ottawa wherever and i feel like that's what's really making me hopeful and just seeing people's like passions come out like i don't think i ever seen this much talk about vote go and vote or don't vote, like, because that's also a valid response. And I think that people are really coming together on making sure that Harper doesn't get elected again.
1: (laughs) September, what are you seeing in this campaign or outside of it that is making you hopeful that we can raise more awareness and get more action on issues that affect women?
2: Um, Well, yesterday was the 35th annual Take Back the Night organization in Toronto. And the fact that Black Lives Matter teamed up in that we had women of color teaming up as a response to what happened with Justin Trudeau's racist comments. It was really great to see that the response to that was organization that was raising awareness, that was unification. That was beautiful. And it's great to see that activism because it takes the work doesn't stop when you vote. We have to keep our politicians accountable. We have to make sure that they're hearing our voices. Not that only that we're speaking, but that they're hearing our voices. So the work begins the day after the election. The work doesn't begin working up to that election. So that was a very hopeful thing to see people working outside and seeing young people doing that because we often, they always talk about voter apathy of young people completely ignoring the fact that Make them vote for you. Why should I vote for you? But these young people are organizing. They're just doing it outside of the ballot. And that's a really great thing to see that they are involved.
1: Well, speaking of making voices heard, I'm so happy that you two came on this program today and made your voices heard. Naomi Sayers in Ottawa and September Anderson here in studio in Toronto. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thanks. That's the program for this week. As always, please help us keep this conversation going on Twitter. Search for Canada Land Commons. My thanks this week to our producer, Imogen Burchard, and to the producer of our music, Nathan Burley. Find us online at canadalandshow.com. If you'd like to email, you can reach me at desmond at canadalandshow.com. Please do subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and since you like this show, chip in at patreon.com canadaland you guys know we love you so don't be afraid to show us a little love by tweeting about the show by telling your friends and your family or by giving us a review online we love all your support the next episode of canadaland shortcuts is up on thursday and commons will be back next tuesday bye for now You guys know we love you, so don't be afraid to show us a little love by tweeting about the show, by telling your friends and your family, or by giving us a review online. We love all your support. The next episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is up on Thursday, and Commons will be back next Tuesday. Bye for now.
0: So we've been making comments for five years now. It's over 100 episodes and counting. And our plan? Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the comments team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a CanadaLine supporter. So, from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to CanadaLand.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. This episode is brought to you in part by the Douglas Mattress. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the best, and I mean the best, things you can do for yourself is to get a good quality mattress. The time is now, people. Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress protector, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca CanadaLand to claim this offer. That's douglas.ca CanadaLand to claim this offer.